Jessica Hampson and welcome to the People Before Profits um, podcast. I'm joined today by the fabulous Andrea, who we've recently had um, head up one of our female empowerment sessions. So um, I'd love you to start just by telling everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do, and then I'll definitely chime in with everything that my feedback so far. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for letting me come to do this with you. It's quite a pleasure. Um, what grand view we have for the people that don't know where we're recording from. We've got the library buildings and the sun. It's beautiful. It's... I, I've actually worked in it. Have you ever been to the library building? Because most, most have. houses haven't. Oh, I have. I have, yeah. My friend works in there as well. So what a beautiful building. So yeah, what a great place to do a, a podcast from as well. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you've come in here and you've sort of seen straight away our culture because a big theme, obviously, of this podcast is the people before profits and we will pick up on that. And I know that that's something that's really important to you and something that you work every day with people and you've been in such huge companies and then worked one-to-one and mentoring as well. So you've, you've seen how culture really impacts it's business. massive. It's massive. I'm passionate about to get sustainable profitability. You need to do it through people. It's got to be authentic. It does, but it also has to come from the top. Yes. And what's a pleasure working alongside you is that you're passionate about it too. With lots of companies I've worked with, um, and it becomes very hard to make things sticky, which is how mm. I call it, is they bring, they bring somebody in because they believe they want to change it, but they don't involve themselves in the process. Yeah. So therefore, there's a gap between implementation and fact and I suppose you need that support yourself from the top down you have to as leaders I think you have to lead by example 100% it's just much smoother we eventually get there but there's lots of hurdles we have to go over and a few pain points to bring that leader in Uh, but obviously with you you're so passionate about all all the stuff we're we're talking about then it's just a smooth transition and it, it just gets embedded but it's not about just us talking about it and doing mm. a good podcast or doing a good workshop. It's about what it looks like in three months, six months, nine months. Yeah. What does the person that joined the company five years ago feel, you know, in five years' time? Is it's, it still there? It's the action part, isn't it? And that's yeah. that's what I think people find the hardest. But actually, if you get to the action, that is where the change then happens. And most people are really good at talking about things or thinking, I would like that. But it's really hard actually putting it in place, putting your money where your mouth is and doing it. But one thing I've definitely noticed, I'm going absolutely off script now, but while I was away, I read that story um, about that company. Is it called Pantagonia or something? And he's just sold all his shares, hasn't he, to a non-profit. Profit, yeah. um, and it wasn't people before profit, but it was a purpose before profit company. And then we've obviously got Stephen Bartlett and other sort of CEOs springing up with this different way to do business. What's your take on that? I've always been on that side of the coin. So um, I worked for a large corporate, I'm happy to share it, it was McDonald's uh, Restaurants Limited, who going back to when I mostly started, people were not passionate about that company. They might have loved the food, but they didn't believe what was going on in the background. That company taught me that it's all about the people because to grow a business and have sites globally you've got to have people in pockets across the world following a process but putting their passion behind it yeah and you can only do that if you get the right people on board so the best one in the world people can do a mm. great interview they can come on board they can have a skill set but if they have the wrong attitude and they don't want to come on your yeah 
your way with that culture, then they're not they're not always going to be the right fit. So we're not we can't keep everybody perfectly happy, and we have to accept that too. What we have to do is people to understand that once you, you know, talk about a, a book, I'm very passionate about fish. Yes. Choose your attitude. Yes, you know you've got to be able to come in no matter what's going outside. Tell people things aren't great if things yeah. aren't great. Yeah. We're not trying to hide real emotion. Yeah. But don't let it affect everybody else and have that toxic input. And what I love the most about you, Andrea, is you make people take responsibility of themselves. Yeah. And you you say, okay, yes, maybe that's happening in life. But actually, what? How are you choosing to deal with it? And what are you doing? And yeah. for me, I'm I'm half Greek, so I definitely use the excuse of I'm quite fiery Mediterranean. So. That book, Fish, was great for me because I can be really reactive, really fiery. Um, and I think that's really made me feel like, hmm, should I choose my attitudes a little bit more? Should I be a bit more reflective? Should I think about things before opening my mouth a little bit more? And how is this going to be portrayed to everybody else? Because I take it for granted working with my husband because he knows who I am. But what about the rest yeah, and I also it's all about your position within the company as well. So if you are a little fiery, you have a, you make a comment, people will sit and go through that comment and look at it on in every dimension, totally differently how you delivered it, and then that's when the issues can start because sure. people don't well people assume which is dangerous. Yes, but people's perception changes. And you're right, I am a great believer is in if there's an issue, we need to take responsibility. Mm. You know, there is a, a big conversation going on about you know the gen, gender pay gap. There's a big conversation going, how do I take my seat at the table in a in a men's world? I've always wanted to take my seat at the table because I'm good at what I do. Yes. And not because I'm female. Yes. And I and and I feel the same way. And I think that was when you came and did your female empowerment session with us, which is really important to me because one thing that I noticed with the girls and the boys when I did the one-to-ones was the confidence and the women in this firm are doing amazing but they're not shouting about it they're just absolutely not confident in themselves whatsoever and so I knew I needed these sessions to give them the tools to bring that out and also to empower each other and be a support guide for each other so I got you in didn't I to talk about um equal pay and give the tools but again someone asked that really powerful question and they said okay what would your advice be to the men in this company about um equal pay and how should they be an ally or whatever and you just said nothing we don't speak to the men because it's not their issue it's about us and what are we going to do about that and I think that's really powerful and unfortunately, when I've been at other companies, I've seen women not do that and have to stand on each other or backstab each other or maybe take on a lot of male traits as well um, that isn't authentic to them. And what I've found actually is if you're yourself and you have these female traits, which are sometimes outside seen as weak, soft skills or whatever, actually they complement the men and they're a great asset to bring to any sort of business so you don't have to change yourself but you have to look at yourself and be okay with who you are as a woman we spend more hours in work than we potentially do with our life partners because by the time we have traveling time and we have other things going on in our lives very few 
um, marriages work when the people are exactly the same. Because you need to be able to complement each other. You need to be able to, you know, one has a skill set in one area in a marriage or a partnership and as the other. Same goes in work. So we all became mini men. Yes. It would be a vain, very dangerous place. As much as we all don't want to be mini women. Yeah. We've got to have that ability to embed ourselves within the business. But that's again, goes back to that word confidence. Mm. So why is somebody in their business, what they're doing, not confident? They've got to be able to realize that if you're going to be good at what you do, be good at what you do. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be good yeah. at what they do. And that's the other thing. Everyone thinks they, because you're female, you should be able to be, you know, grow and get promoted in a company. A male might be better in, in a job than you are. And that's okay. Yeah. And we shouldn't try and stop that either. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely believe that. And I think it's really important just having those conversations because sometimes they're taboo and they're not really spoken about, are they? People are frightened to have yeah. those conversations yeah. now more than ever. Yeah. So we sit on it and people... So when we, I had a very open and frank conversation with your team when I was asked those questions. Mm. And, and that is key, isn't it, for us to go, no, do you know what? I'm showing up because I'm good at what I do. Yeah. And I happen to be female. Yeah. Exactly. And once we get it in that order, you'll flourish in the job. Sure. So... What was your journey then to where did you get your confidence to say, actually, I'm going to start my own business? Um, the honesty from that will be going back to um, when I left school, I was told I'd make a nice wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't very academic at school because I had dyslexia. Dysle dyslexia wasn't really talked about concern. It just meant you didn't, well, you weren't clever. What I learned was, I could organize people continuously or my friends, I, yes. I would organize friendship groups and I'm a very caring person. I have buckets of common sense. Um, I'm very analytical. Um, I love maths. I love figures. I, I, I can read people. My emotional intelligence yeah. is high. Yeah. So once I realized I had all those skill sets, I realized that I actually was just intelligent, but different to other people. Um, if I was going through the education system now, I would have gone to university potentially, or done an apprenticeship. But what that did was give me the resources to go, I'm as good as everybody else in the room. Yeah. And I will take my seat at the table yeah. because I'm good at what I do. Yeah. Um, but I work hard. I work hard and I work hard at stuff that maybe I'm not good at to become good at it. Yes. Um, and as I get older in life, if I'm not good at something, I go and find something that is good at it and bring experts in to do the bit around me. That's really powerful because... I was having this conversation with somebody um, in the business before and it's not a lot of people are able to really look at themselves and say, what am I good at? How can I be even better? Or what am I not good at? And how can I, you know, improve that? And a lot of people don't do that self-work. Is that due to fear? They're scared to do it. I think it's hard as well. It is hard. It, I think it's I hard. think maturity and, and age helps you go, I'm not going to lose my job over this or people aren't going to think less of me if I say actually this is not my skill set, you know, whether it's posting on social media or, you know, putting um, an Excel sheet together and, and, and doing the, I can analyze a spreadsheet. It's one of my favorite things to do. However, I am not the person that puts the spreadsheet together. I know yeah. what I want and I will tell somebody what I want. Yeah. But that's an expert that does that. Yeah. To go over there. Um, but we're not brought up to show our failures, are we? Or our weaknesses? No. And I've got, I actually did have, um, a question for you because I found it really interesting I was sitting with an American businessman and we were talking about failure 
And he was asking for my perspective. And I said, I love failure. And he said, really? You're the first Brit that's ever said that. And I said, oh, no, you learn loads. I think if you're not failing, you're not trying. I went into my spiel. And he said, you know, in America, it's almost like a badge of honor. Oh, it is. It it's is. like Trump. You know, if you've got 10 failed businesses, you know, it's a badge of honor. But here, it's a completely different ethos. It's real shame, isn't it? So... This there's a big a big piece here as well. Uh, business coaching, business mentoring, whatever you want to call. It. I've been doing this for 15 years. When I started, um, I'd come out of the corporate world, I had my own businesses, and I went and did educated myself and got some qualifications. Be, you know, became a master practitioner in NLP, did emotional intelligence training, all that, because I felt I needed to have that to prove what I mm. could do. But in actual fact, what people are looking for are people that have been through their job. And potentially not got it right. And they've gone back and tried again. Because they're the people that can teach you more. I totally agree. And I go to this fantastic mentoring um, group run by my accountant, Sisadulu. It's called Be The Hello Standard. Yeah. Uh, Paul, he's yeah. great, isn't he? Um, and we've had top athletes, you know, gold medal winners, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, just some great, great speakers. And what the feedback was, obviously the feedback has been immense but what the feedback was actually we want some people up there that have failed come and come and show us their journeys and I thought that that was really powerful and going back to your piece on America um if you've gone bankrupt or gone into liquidation in the states people talk about it mm. because it's oh well done you you had a go yeah and if you have a coach in America you'll have a performance coach mm. you might have a personal PT yeah. you have a business coach you'll have a strategist coach the more coaches you have, the better business person you are. In the UK, maybe just pre-COVID, it's switched a bit. People yeah. go, oh, do you need a business coach? Things not going well. Yes. As opposed to, to while well, they're better in themselves. Yes, yes. I've I'd love to talk to you about that because um, there's, there's definitely this change in the air about business coaches. And then all of a sudden, definitely on LinkedIn, so many business oh, coaches yeah. Yeah. Uh, sprung up and everyone was calling themselves um, a, a business coach. So how was that for you? Because it, mu it must be on one hand amazing that actually people are getting into this, the culture's changing, but at the same hand, how do you stand out from the crowd? And is it not disheartening that just anyone's just throwing that label on a little bit? Yeah, so we go back 15 years, I started as a business coach when I left my corporate world and very quickly I dropped the word coach because mm. you'd walk into a room and people go oh, I'm a business coach and they'd walk away in America it was a totally different feeling I did I did training in America um here we've just seen a rapid increase of business coaching so it's got to be look at the credentials mm. you can't be a business coach if you've never run a business in my opinion I agree. you can't just be an academic business coach and gone and done a qualification, You're come out of college. Apply theory then, aren't you? And that's not good enough mm. because it doesn't always work. In a, in a textbook, it makes sense, but actually, the pattern you have to follow and, and the intuitions you've got to have aren't in a textbook. So I'm pretty comfortable with my experience, my knowledge, and my reputation that where I am, I'm okay. I can't speak about for, for well, other business coaches. For sure, because I, I'm really good friends now with Kath of Think Wine and she was the one who introduced us and yeah, said you thank you Kath thank you Snapscar, <laughs> who 
who's also been in and helped with yeah. my female empowerment. It's all about the female it empowerment. It is, we isn't yeah. it? Um, and she had wonderful things to say. And that, it's word of mouth, isn't it, really? Yeah. That's how you build your sure. reputation. So I'm really, really glad that she um, introduced us. Absolutely. You've gone down a storm here. <laughs> I was saying to you at the beginning, um, you know, you're, you've been our most well-received guest and we do have a, a huge range of speakers. So that was wonderful feedback from the women, particularly as we've doubled in size recently. We've got a lot of new um, starters, a lot of new women yeah. in here. So it was an important message to get across to them. Um, I actually want to go back to what you were talking about before about dyslexia. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I feel like now, you know, um, there isn't as much a taboo, but we were talking about how that used to be treated. What I found was actually a lot of people who are dyslexic are entrepreneurs. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, and it's those different skill set where you see life in a different way. Yeah. You know, where did we go wrong where we want everyone to be this cookie cutter type of person? It all goes back to the education process, doesn't it? Uh, and what that looks like and what, you know, from I think age four now or maybe age five to start having um, reviews for the government to see how we're getting on. Mm. But that is not about the child. No. That's a statistical report that's needed for somebody to analyse, to go back into, into Parliament to say how we're getting on as a country. That isn't really what's happening in the classroom. How? It's absolutely not. Oh, it has got a lot better, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, my son is now 21. Um, dyslexia is, is hereditary, by the way. Oh, I did not know yeah. that. And I, I saw traits in my son. I went into the school. I'm in a very different place. I'm now an adult. And I'm like, I had an mm. incredible upbringing. My parents were amazing. And the reason I am who I am today is because they didn't allow the school to affect me. And sadly, there's kids out there that will have dyslexia or dyspraxia or an issue with education and won't have that parental support at home. And they're the kids that are really falling below par. But going back to the, the point there was, you know, you've that whole dyslexia piece is about what is your superpower? I know that's, yes. you know, what is your superpower? Yes. Well, I am, my superpower is um, speaking, audio, articulating myself. Um, I have lots of my friends say I should have been a barrister because I can talk mm. myself into most conversations, mm. out of most conversations. But I'm not going to be the person that's going to put you the document together. Yes. That's okay. Yes. Because there's now um, software that allows me to speak into or I just put paragraphs together and somebody else fleshes it out. So it's a finding what works for you and then finding the holes within your needs and get somebody else to fill them. And show me one person that can do everything. <laughs> they, well, they can't. They can't. They, they, can't. they, they, they can't. I, I know that I wouldn't survive without Lydia, who's my amazing VA. No. <laughs> she keeps the oil. Absolutely, burning. absolutely. Um, no, it's it, it's interesting. I found that now I'm I'm a mother. I'm a mother of two. What the education system doesn't teach you, and all the things that I think it doesn't teach you, are all the things that an entrepreneur or a business needs. person needs, and that's why we do need business coaches. That's why I teach a lot of commercial awareness here which is such a buzzword and I've told this story to many uh, staff here but I had a, a mentor a lot myself but mainly university um, level and someone bought a book about commercial awareness because it is a big buzzword in the legal yeah. industry and it's like you must know about commercial awareness and you'll be asked about it and everyone's terrified 
and he bought this book. It was about £50 he showed me. I was so livid. I read this book. I couldn't make head nor tails. And I sat him down and I just said, do you know this, like, commercial awareness is just understanding how a business works? That's all that that means. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think people understand it themselves. And I think all these skills, they're just not taught. And I think that's why we're so different here at EL. And that's why you're so needed is because these skills are needed oh, and they're not gaps. taught. The big gaps. You know, my son came out of school. So he told me he was 16. He said, why are we not talking about interest rates at school? Why are we not talking about savings? Savings, what, what compound interest is. So why is that not needed? And one of the things that really bothers me, um, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a financial advisor, but I spend a lot of time in those figures. And I'm with um, companies that don't have a pension and they're, they're, they're not using their, their, their um, tax efficiently yeah. because their accountant's not telling them. And the financial advisor is not talking to the accountant. So I will tend to bring all those together. But my point here really is, why are we not teaching people that everybody should have a financial advisor? Yeah. They think it's just for the rich, but actually yes. it needs to be from everybody coming out of school. Because yeah. once you understand, if you just put an extra five pound away, whatever that's going to be, and how would you save into an extra into a pension or suddenly they're going to have a much better life because, well, how quick has 2022 just gone? We're, sure. we're about to go into October. Yeah. I think this, the earth is spinning much faster right now. But <laughs> it's, I think it is. Um, but, you know, why are we not teaching people that? So there's people in, in businesses like here that potentially don't have a credit card. If mm. they ever want to go and get a mortgage without a credit card, they're not going to get a credit exactly. rating. So you've got to start three, four years before you're thinking about getting a mortgage. Or even if you're going to try and rent a property now, you need a credit rating. Yeah. So you need to have had a credit card. You need to have had a, you know, go for your first thing on your on your, your phone and make sure you pay it off. What do you do if you're going to miss a payment? No, don't miss a payment. What All those things. Yeah. Those, so life, those life, those life, life lessons. Those life lessons and those life skills. And certainly you're going to get them from your family and you're going to get them from your parents if you're so lucky to do that. But it should, those sort of themes should just be universal everywhere. So I just thought it, it's, been a real eye-opener for me. It's bothered me for a while, all this. Yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah, <laughs> definite. A lot of that feeds into sort of the book that you mentioned before. So while you while you were here as a guest speaker, you mentioned um, a book, Fish. I think, yeah. it, I think it was my question. I said, is there any sort of material that's really um, inspired you? And so I've just come back from holiday. I think you've been away as well. I have, Where did yes. you go? Yeah. Uh, Mallorca. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And I read... I read Fish for Life and I've just picked up a few of the others. And again, it's just simple treats, isn't it? It's pick your attitude, uh, have a little bit of fun, of fun absolutely. be present. And again, these are themes that no one talks about and they're really important in life. And just the, those, those small principles that if you just embed them into your everyday life, make it different, not just in the workplace, yeah. in your home. Yeah. I have somebody that read this book. She works in the art industry. She had never realized I wasn't present when I came home. She had my head would still be in mm. work and I'd be cooking dinner for, for the daughter and the daughter would be asking questions. It would be sh in a minute, you know, or everything's going to be soon. We are soon. guilty of that. We are. Mm. But in those moments to say, no, do you know what? I'm just going to do this hour or 30 minutes and then I'm going to pick my phone up in another 10 minutes yeah. and just try and have those moments with the family or your partner or yourself, yeah. Yeah. actually. 
yeah. also with yourself is really important. Do you know what? It's so powerful. And it, I took that away. Now, usually for us, it we went to, we went on quite a long haul. So we had two planes. I think we, I think we were flying for about 14 Where hours. The Maldives. Oh, lovely. My little list is seven months. And then we've got our four-year-old. So usually that would be really stressful and getting through. And I applied the principles of the book. The main one for me was have a bit more fun in nice, in your life. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the little one was in the pram. She was on the suitcase. And me and Paul had to race as to who's going to get to check out. And who and did? Then, who did? Do you know what? <laughs> I didn't win, but I swear I let Gigi win on him. <laughs> but we were a little bit neck and neck, and then one of us, and we were laughing and in such a good mood by the even though it was like six o'clock in the morning. The hormones change, you got the serotonin into your body. And the kids, and that would usually be a very stressful time for me where, you know, the kids are going to pick up on your attitude. Yeah. So. Again, picking your attitude and picking up on that. Really, really important themes. Yeah. Is that something that you teach for your business as well? All the time. I've just been doing it before I came in here today. Um, I, I do it with myself, my own family, um, all my clients. Anybody I work with absolutely hears about fish. Yeah. But not just fish for the business owner, fish for the entire team. As a business mentor, are there any questions that come up time? And time again are there any particular female issues or just issues in in general with business because when i go to these mentor sessions myself it's all it's all business owners we have like a clinic and what was really reassuring to me is everyone seems to have the same yes yeah. i think people are your busy, biggest asset yes and your most complicated yeah. asset oh got me that you know without them you it's not you don't have a business and the more people you employ, the more complex the whole piece becomes. Yeah, I feel like I'm really there at the moment because there's been three times, we're only five years, um, but we're growing so fast. I think we've got nine, 10 different departments now. We've got 100 staff and we keep just doubling. So I remember when we went from 30 to 60 and now we've gone from 60 to 99 staff. And every time you do that, it's such a huge change and it's such a huge jump. And as you said, it's really, really it's, complicated. And it goes all the way through uh, the hierarchy as well of the ranks and that changes. And people feel and see different things because communication becomes more complex. Actually, it doesn't become as fluid. Mm. So therefore, you have to really focus on how the, how the chain of communication is going. I have a question for you, though. Mm. What are you going to do to celebrate the 100th employee if you're on 99? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what that's a great question and we actually we actually did uh spitball that a little bit because what we do here again i try to bring a little bit of silliness um into into work is when someone's passed probation um i have a sword and i knight them um but with the hundredth we're gonna have to do something a little bit more a little bit more special. Certainly that bar will open. Oh, I think so. <laughs> I mean, and I think it can be flowing on the bar. I love it. And there'll be a very special person, won't they, that come in? Yeah. But they won't know they're special. They won't know that they're yeah, 100 exactly. person. They won't know. No? At the moment, yeah, we've got 99 and I'm saying 99 problems with the staff aren't one, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a really good question. Yeah. But um, we've had to think about what what we want to do now is bring in some sort of uni 
like uniformity and feeling of belonging and I think what we're going to do with the current um, staff and staff going forward that pass probation other than the nighting is you know bring in some like hoodies that have the CL but that are personalized to them a nice like water bottle and just oh, people love branding stuff they love all set the, the yes. stuff up but not just for CEL but with their name on yeah, as nice. well to really bring in that family feel because one of my biggest challenges but also one of the biggest strengths here is the culture yes. so obviously we have a very unique cuddly you know fluffy innovative rule breaking millennial pink sparkly culture and it's been amazing but as we've grown it's been really hard to sort of keep that memento, keep, keep that it, magic. Absolutely. And, you know, first and foremost, we're still a family firm. There's four of us from the family that are here. Um, and it's, what are these little touches and what are the big touches that sort of bring everybody in together? So what would sort of your advice be in terms of, because we're both on the same page, culture super important to keep that as you grow because you've worked in one of the biggest industries in the world so taking that from what my knowledge of working in in one of those well large corporate into a business i've been in today um it's turning everything on its head to starting 360s so i was talking to them about you know rather than everything coming from the top down from you need to make sure we've got stuff from the bottom going up and meeting so when you're doing an appraisal the line manager appraises the employee but also any that reports into that employee yes. does an appraisal. So we're starting to get a bigger picture of what is going on um, and jumping on stuff very quickly. So not allowing mm -hmm. stuff to manifest yes. in the wrong way within the business. Yes. So that is about having people to feel they have a voice and if they have a voice, it's heard. doesn't mean they'll always be actioned. Yes. And that's also key. People think, well, I've said something and they haven't changed it. So the, the problem is that people say something into the company, it doesn't get changed and they think they haven't been heard. Mm. The bit that's missing is the comeback to say, we've heard what you've said, we have looked at this, however it, it is not correct for us, we'll put it back on the agenda in three months, or it can't be done financially, or yeah. it can't be done culturally, yeah. or it can't be done legally. But the feedback never comes back to the employee, so that doesn't come. That's a really powerful point, and it's what me and Tony, who's... Um talk about co coaches yeah. <laughs> he, he he's our coach here our in-house coach and um, he calls that the why and it's why hasn't that been implemented and what we've done recently which has been I've had really powerful feedback is an anonymous suggestion box online that goes straight to me and the question is how can we improve CEL yeah. and what we do now is and this is super super brand new we sit with all the managers so it's not just the books i don't think prior it was board making decisions on stuff like this the whole management will discuss it why should we do it why aren't we doing it and then feed them back to everybody clearly this was the suggestion and this is the yep. reasoning behind and that even though we've only had like one session i've actually <laughs> and it's been going for like two weeks about a hundred suggestions drowning in the suggestions they're all fantastic there's some really strong themes and just the trust that we're going to listen and we're going to so knowing there's such volume letting them know there's volume because therefore yes, there's going to be yeah, yeah because there's going to be 
a time, there's going to be a pause in getting responses back. I'm on it. Because I say, of the volume. Guys, I'm loving it. You're like, However, you, you, you've inundated me. So it's going to take time and yeah. I want to take that consideration. Yeah. But it's been a really, something as simple as that's been a really, really powerful tool. You, you say the word simple, but it's, it's actually complex and takes time. And not, that's why not a lot of companies do it. Mm. Because it, somebody has to own it. And it's not about the now, it's how is that going to still be implemented in three months, six months, nine months. Yes. So it might, you might set it up and put the process in place and then hand it to somebody else to manage Yes. as it gets bigger. Yes. I'm all about, I'm all, I love a bit of delegation. Yeah. Do you find... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> People struggle with delegation, though. I love it. I love delegation. Yeah, I love but delegation. But it, it, actually, you're right, though. And again, that comes to confidence. Confidence, if it doesn't go right, people don't like to delegate because then it falls back on their shoulders. Mm. But they have to have the confidence that if it doesn't go right, that they pick it up quickly and they're close enough to it or they put the plans in place that they are seeing the output of whatever the project is. It's a, it's a risk, but it's risk and reward, isn't it? And you've got to empower whoever you're giving. It's also a control risk, isn't it? You're not going to mm. give it to anybody. You're going to give exactly. a project to somebody that you think has the skill set. Yeah, and you're going to, to do with you're going to you're going to start off small and see how they get on yeah. and, and build up. But yeah, people have issues with control as well, don't they? They're also people don't delegate because they won't do it the way I do it. They don't know yes. how. I, well, actually, it's not how it shouldn't be how you do it. It's the right way. So if there's only one way of doing it, it doesn't matter who's doing it. If it can be done in different ways but gets the same outcome, that's okay too. Yeah. If if the journey is a big piece of it, then make sure as long as it's a cultural fit, that's okay too. You know, it's an important issue because um, when I have my trainees, so they're, they're, tra- they're in their training period before they become a solicitor, um, one thing that they wanted training on was delegation. Something that they've said is, sometimes I think oh, I would be faster if I did it myself. Mm, yeah, that's, yeah, that's very common. Yeah. yeah. It's faster to today. It might be faster tomorrow. But it, do this 52 times, you're work, working 52 weeks, is it, is it faster now? The answer is no. I'm going to have to get you in for that delegation. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really good. Um, so just circling back, um, are there any issues that come up again and again with businesses? Have you seen any trends change of recent? I would say cash flow right now is the biggest thing I'm dealing with. Um, people understanding the, the banks have withdrawn lots of overdrafts in, in, in smaller SMEs. So that's been a challenge. Um, obviously, we're you know as we're recording this, we've got a utility crisis as in electricity and gas. Yeah. Um, we've had a change in that in the last 48 hours, but people just understanding what they could do. So we were told that we were going to have an energy increase. And there's so many companies that I'm now working with, what I wasn't working with at the beginning of the year, that didn't fix their prices in March and April. Right. They didn't even make contact because right. they were so far removed from it. Um, so understanding your figures. Yes. I work with so many people like, that don't know. If they made money that month, they don't know. They might know what's in the bank. Mm. They don't follow a profit and loss sheet. They don't run accounts at all. Um, and then you're reactive as opposed to proactive, aren't you? And they yeah. don't have plans and plans in yeah. place. Yeah. So if you've got a department in here, um, you know, and if they've got targets to hit and they've got um, projections they have to hit, do they understand the figures behind that? Do they understand how other ways you can get to that magic figure? Yeah, and, and if they have missed it, why? I think that's really important. And again, it's one thing that we, we do here is 
we have that transparency whenever I've worked anywhere else apart from the end of the year where it's maybe published online so you can read it. No one knows how your departments... Exactly. Exactly. What's the secret? What's the big taboo? And I think personally, it's probably because most people don't understand it themselves or don't know themselves. And what we've tried to do here is really empower the teams to say, okay, this is your wage bill each month. So this is what you've got to make to cover that plus everything else. Um, to be in a healthy... So they have a department P&L's properly yeah, sheet. And for that's sure. so important. But it also gives them pride. It also drives people to want to, to do better. But it also is a reward for them to see that they've had a good month or a good week. I don't know if you work in weekly or monthly, but, monthly. you know, monthly to go, we've had a cracking month. Or do you know what? That wasn't a great month. But it was August. It's always a quiet in August. Yes. And then compare it to the previous year. Yes. Like actually, but we're up again. Suddenly, you might not be a great month compared to the month before. Compared to the year before, it's trending and you're actually trending up. That's yeah. great. And again, it's what you were saying in terms of pay rises. Then then they know to come to us and say, look. With fact. With fact. Which I've recently had a manager come up and say, look, I need another person. And I was like, no, you're not having that other person. They've come up to me and they've said, look, this is how my department's going. This is the profit. This is since it's been under me. This is this. We can afford another person. This is our caseload. That makes absolute sense. You having another person. Yep. So, you know, it's empowering. Knowledge is power, isn't it? Huge. And again, that confidence piece. Don't want to be going to the CEO or the or the managing director telling what they should know. But if you've got a large co- company, you need each department to share and be a voice. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. As a business owner myself, then, what piece of advice would you give me? Um, stay in your lane because you're in a great lane and it's very easy to get pulled into the corporate world out there Mm. Um, you're passionate you're focused and you might look over your shoulder just slightly check what's behind you but you're very much a visionary I'm glad that you've said that because I've struggled with being a visionary because I read this really good um, article from Karen Brady and she said the difference between like leaders and managers is that leaders are visionary. And a lot of the time when you have a vision, most people laugh at you. And I feel like that's been my life. And that's why I say stay in your lane because you're in, you're in an amazing lane. Always, always check over your shoulders, what's yeah. behind you, but don't look too long and just keep going. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely take that on board because you have to practice what you preach and I'm always saying to everybody else, don't focus on everybody Yeah, and else. the other thing as well is, you know, what's your growth strategy? You know, is it you cap it at 100 and that's where you want to be or is it like 200 500 do you want to have an office in dubai you know, what what's that bigger picture share it with the team so they can see what yeah what that looks like and is it to have an off, you know five offices globally or just be in liverpool and whatever that is is fine and people don't like to share the end goal yeah well i had an idea well actually my husband's had an idea watching this horrendous program that you're just gonna laugh at now Finn mccann from towie <laughs> well, i love her <laughs> Because uh, her daughter, Sunday, is the same age as our daughter. And we were watching it and she did this vision board. And then Paul came up with an idea of... Because we have our own vision board. That's something Absolutely. that you've taught. Yeah, yes. I have a few. <laughs> good. I love them. Yeah. Um, and one thing we were thinking was maybe an office one where everyone comes and puts something on there. So we have like a shared office CL. 
one yeah like yeah from each department from, just from everybody can go and go and share it because one thing that I wanted to do which is on my board at home is take all the staff on holiday I've been able to gift one staff with a holiday but I'd love for us all to go away so that would be on the vision board too things like things like that but definitely sharing your goals I'm a big believer of a mastermind alliance and the more people that are for your goal the easier it's going to be to achieve. Well, you're on a journey, aren't you? You're already moving towards it. Yeah, for sure. sure. I was just going to say, you know, one of our mantras here is the people before profits. What does that sort of mean to you and how have you carried that out in your business? I obviously didn't know that before I met you. One of my mantras is to get sustainable profitability, do it through people. So there's such a mirror, mirror there. Anyway, one person can fail your brand if they don't do it correctly. And that one person that's failed a customer, mm. that one customer is going to send, tell 20 people. And that affects your brand. So to keep that tight as possible, that as soon as we have somebody within the company that isn't happy for whatever reason, or has been the other one is over-promoting and having to know when you have to go to that person and say, okay, this isn't working. People will just leave them in the background and cover them up slightly yeah. and promote other people around totally them. Totally understand that, yeah. And that is dangerous because that then annoys other people within the company. Yeah, well, it would, uh, it would it absolutely would, it would annoy absolutely. me because I've been in situations like that. I'm, I'm earning this much money, they're on more money than me, yet they don't do a good enough job and it's all being ignored. So seeing everything from everybody else's perspective. You've men you mentioned this a little bit then, but you did mention it before about toxic. Yeah. Leadership, toxic management and having toxic people. Tell me a little bit about that because I think that's really, really interesting. So I have a lot of this when I work. So I work a lot with the business owners, but for me to get real change, I have to work with the teams as well, which is what we've sort of all aligned ourselves with. Um, and then you, when, when I get into those teams, I start to find the person within the group that is never the spokesperson, just in the background, just pushing stuff out and is then hidden to sort of the hierarchy above. Um, just enough to put a few pins and some balloons to make them pop. And then it just changes the ambience, but never in front of the business owner or never in front of the team leader. Yes. So yes. It's, and it's having the trust those other people are, are going to not allow them to be covered up by them and stop it at source. What I've found as well is once the rot sets in, it's so hard to undo it the is badness. And sometimes you'll have to lose some other people around that person because they've also taken on their vision and their thoughts that weren't their own before. What would be what would be sort of your advice then to avoid this or to deal with it? Obviously, you'd want to deal with it straight away as soon as you realise. As the company gets bigger, you're more and more removed and therefore you're more transient in the conversations with people. So to understand, it's all about those appraisals, the 360 reviews, um, and quietly just sitting in into meetings when you least expect it sometimes. So I would very much just pop into a meeting and say, I'm just here to to uh, to hear how, what you're doing today. Not really to involve myself. Just listen to the tone, listen to the words that are being used. Because people are very good at hiding what they are feeling, but the words will show it. And sometimes the body language the body and language. the atmosphere. And again, it goes down to fish, doesn't it? Be present. Yeah. Because certainly... The last year has been a whirlwind for me because I think I met you just before I went off ma pregnant. on maternity yes. um, and I had loads going on 
and I've had loads going on and I've just now in the last few weeks come back and be a little bit more present and it is crazy how much you can pick up on. Mm. So, you know, I I know you've got a huge amount of desks here, but it's just, oh, there's an empty desk there. I'm just going to sit and work from here today. And people then get on with their day job around you, but you're just listening to the conversations they have. You you start to pick up trends and and thoughts and anxieties setting in. I'm throwing these questions away because I actually, we've come towards the end now, but I actually just want to be really nosy and I love your story about LA. So, (laughs) and you're a very famous neighbour. So tell me a little bit about sort of your time in LA, what you learned and how you got to where you are now and what what's next in, in the future as well? So um, I left the UK, a lot of honesty here. I was engaged to my now husband, but we'd split up and I was like... Oh, I think me and Paul. <laughs> crazy. Right person, wrong time. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, what I'm going to do? And I had a friend who was an alley in America um, and she said, well, I'm going off to, to ski in Vermont for the season, but come to LA, got a job um, with an amazing couple who I'm still in touch with now. Never been a nanny in my life before. Didn't really know how to be a nanny. Um, the fact that I was English, I think, got me over oh, the line. Oh, English, you can be a nanny anyway. I think they just thought I just knew it all and I certainly didn't. <laughs> I think, you think um, you're Mary Poppins? And I got the job and I remember going to LA and it's, I was living in Malibu. My next door neighbour was Olivia Newton-John. Well, she didn't know I was her next door neighbour. That's pretty key to this story. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a nanny, remember? Um, uh-huh. But lived in this beautiful home on, in, in Malibu. Um, and spent a, a gorgeous amount of time understanding the, the whole culture in America. The kids were at school all day anyway. Um, Pam, who was uh, my my boss at the time, you know, would take me places and do stuff with me. And it was just incredible. Anyway, when I realized Olivia Newton-John really was next door, when I say next door, she was in the ranch. So there was a bit of an entrance well, to, leave, <laughs> to leave her house to get to the door. And when she used to walk her dog, I'd be hanging around with Aspen, who was the Labrador who were I, where I was working. And I would just sort of maybe sitting by the pool, I'd be looking. And as soon as I saw any activity, I'd be up waiting. And um, maybe after I bumped into, her, bumped into her two, three, four, five, ten times, she'd say, it's quite amazing the coincidence how we were always walking at the same time. There was no coincidence. <laughs> it was pre-planned on my, on, my, on my behalf. She was one of my, um, and still is even though she sadly died, one of, you know, Greece, I grew up with Greece. So yeah, to, to, it's to, iconic, isn't it? To have somebody like that on, on your doorstep was just incredible. Um, and so LA. <laughs> Oh, it's so LA, absolutely. <laughs> I have so so many stories of, of the times there and the the amount of famous people that I bumped Maybe into. But, but we do, but I did most we didn't know who they were at the time and um, um I would have to say, Who's that? and who's that? But yeah, lots of amazing, amazing stories. And it kind of mostly helped me with my own self confidence that, you know, I because Americans are confident, aren't they? Very confident. Even when they shouldn't really be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they ooze confidence. Yeah. So I think that was was pretty much part of you know, I had fabulous parents that brought me up and, and that gave me confidence. Um, well, what, what, you know, I, I, I grew up as, with a single mother and, you know, it's absolutely clear that I have quite a strained relationship with her as well. I don't know my dad. So it's quite alien to me what a perfect sort of good family 
sort of is. So what were those things that they instilled in you that really set you up for life? My dad would be out of bed at five o'clock in the morning. Um, he was a butcher, market trader and worked, properly worked. You know, went to the abattoir, bought the meat, worked all day, worked on a Saturday. You know, we didn't particularly have weekends off doing stuff because he was always working. Um, and we were expected to go to work. You know, I don't that, know. That work ethic. Yeah, that work ethic. So, but I enjoyed it, mm. you know, and that that was part of what, what we did. We went and we put our white coats on and once we were in secondary school, we went to work every weekend yeah. um, and worked and served customers. Yeah. So I, you know, my, my dad is an incredible businessman. So a lot of that came from, from watching my father. My mum, talk to anybody, go anywhere. Um, I could take my mum anywhere with me now and she's 82. Amazing. Anywhere. Um, and she's always had a lot of people around her. She's always had friends in her house. We're always told to bring people to our house the home yes. which I think is massive yes. so our house was the go-to house growing up yes. so that's much where my confidence came from as well that um you know I had a voice and people were interested in what I had to say yes for sure and that work ethic it's really important because I think sometimes as a woman in business it can be hard and I'm like am I a workaholic am I spending enough time with the kids and I, I don't think you're ever going to not beat yourself up about that um, but recently, my four-year-old Gigi, she was doing some work and I said, oh, what are you doing? She said, I'm working really hard like you, mummy and daddy. And I thought, well, at least she's getting a bit of work ethic <laughs> thrown in yeah, there. Yeah, I think we can, all, we can go too far around the side here. You know, the kids have, as long as you can give your kids memories, whether that is going for a walk and yeah. sitting on a bench, yeah. looking at the River Mersey, whatever it is, yeah. or going on a lovely holiday, it's about the conversations you have and the memories you make. So when my kids were growing up, I used to say to friends, oh, it's all in the memory box. When they got older, they went, where is this memory box? And I was like, here, mm. in your head. Mm. My goal as a parent was to fill my heads and their he heads with memories. Yes. And if I have done that, that meant there was a big chunk of time for me to do what I wanted to do with them, that I was working. But that's okay, because they were safe and they had yeah. their friends with them and they were doing what they were doing. Yeah but it's about whatever your memories are. So I'm massively into animals. Yes. So my memories was being able to take them to see animals in their own environment. I'm massive into sustainability in, into the environment. Mm -hmm. So to be able to do that, that's been my sort of goals that I've got older. The memories are so important because to me, time is the most precious and the most important and goes back to fish again about being present. And what I, what I found was when I was spending more time with the kids, I've, I wasn't present because I was juggling things. Whereas now I've got structure in place. I might spend a little bit less, but I'm it's present. Quality. It's quality Absolutely. time. If I have to have an hour, <laughs> emphasis on have to, playing Barbie house, I can now play that without any distractions, you know, whatsoever. So yeah, time is something that I teach as well as it's really, really important and yeah. money can't. Yeah. As you said, you know, yeah, okay, it's nice. We've just gone to the Maldives and had a lovely holiday. But we could go and have a holiday, you know, in Wales and have just as much time and memories with yeah. them as well. So it's all about the quality, isn't it? It's hugely. It absolutely is. And, you know, I'm a big believer in when people say money doesn't make you happy. You've got to have enough money to stop you thinking about money. Yeah. And once I you're comfortable. Once you're comfortable. And that comfortable is you can pay your mortgage or your rent. You, you know, those basic things in life. And after that, money, money is what, how you want it or need it. 
But when people say money doesn't make you happy, if you can't pay your mortgage or your rent, mm. money is going to make a difference to you. I totally agree. And I've been in that funny situation where I've been very, very poor and now I'm a millionaire. So I've seen both sides of that. And I think that's really true. And once you get to a point where you are comfortable, everything else is just then a bonus. Yes, 100%. And you shouldn't take that for granted. And I always remember like sort of rock bottom yeah. and struggling. That's so where you've got to where you've got to yes. because you got to there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so what's the next... What's next for you then? Um, talking about work hard, play hard, um, I've most probably tried to spend a little bit more time out the country because I'm a little older and I just realised that if you don't do it now, potentially I have no idea yeah. what my health or my husband's yes. health looks like when we're older. Um, I've set up a company called Move uh, oh. with my business partner, Mark Waldron, and we are passionate about doing masterminds for people with over £100,000 turnover, up to £3 million. Because there's a gap of who do you talk to in that moment. So when you go to take on your second, third or fourth staff member, putting those processes in place, who's there to support you? Who do you ask? How do you get over this? Who's, who are you accountable to? Mm. As the business owner, mm. you know, you go home, you spend eight, eight, nine, ten hours in work. You go home to your partner. How was today? It was good, thanks. <laughs> yes. Or it was okay, thanks. Um because you don't really get into the detail and people don't really understand you. So having those mastermind groups you just talked about one yeah. before, um, it's key to help people go to the next level in business. Yeah. So momentum, accountability, and showing vulnerability in a safe space. Oh, that has been such a, a theme and omen for me this year is all about vulnerability and showing that and building the trust that comes with once you show that. And as you, as you were talking about... Um, one of your clients that were vulnerable and then everyone rallied around them. Um, it's such a powerful tool. And that was, I would never have put vulnerability next to leadership. And now I've I do totally, all the time. totally turned. But I can't just say, as a business owner and not as a coach, so I was in a very difficult situation because as a business coach, people expect me to be on top form all the time. Mm. So if somebody said how I was, I'm fantastic. It was always a very positive word. I might have had some issues going on at home, but I didn't share them. Because if people were paying me to advise them, support them, they didn't really want to hear anything I had to say. What COVID taught me was actually I've got more, more to give because I've learned more about my own business journey through COVID. And showing my vulnerabilities actually makes me a stronger and better business leader, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And then you have that. Again, it's breaking down those barriers that taboo of sort of failure or struggling and all these like negatives is not a weakness and what can we learn from this and as i said before when i go to my mentor session just that reassurance that ah oh, someone else has got that problem or they've been through that so how did you deal with that and again it's businesses particularly in the law they're so closed off they do not share information they do not speak it's so cutthroat and hopefully we're moving towards now a more open I don't think we're quite there yet. No. The professional industries are much further back in this process. Accountancy, law, architecture. We're they're still all very, in, the, in the dark ages. You really sure. are. Yeah, <laughs> compared to some of the yeah. other professions that have changed and evolved. Yeah, and, and look how they're doing. Yeah, they're growing. They're absolutely, absolutely thriving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely thriving. 
Thank you so much. Oh, lovely. Um, Thank you It's been me. wonderful. I've learned, as always, whenever I'm around you, I've learned so much. I know that there's um, a lot of people really interested in listening to this podcast and it would be wonderful to just continue to work with you and hopefully it's inspired a few more people to reach out to you or to coaches themselves and just be a bit more open-minded to what you can provide thank you so much thank you for having me thank you